Welcome to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast, where each week we simplify the complexities of your leadership journey. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. So whether you are listening to this podcast or you are watching us on YouTube, we encourage you to download the show notes and follow along if you can. My name is Amber Jordan, and I am here with Dr. Michael David Morales, a.k.a. Mo. Mo, how's it going today? Hey, what's going on, Amber? I'm doing well. Let's do it. Okay. Well, today we are going to be talking about the fact that leaders foster emotional stability. And I got to tell you, the first thing I thought of wasn't so much of emotional stability, but maybe a little bit of emotionally flying off the handle uh, with the best scene And I think probably any movie having to do with this is Steve Martin and Father of the Bride when he is in (laughs) the grocery store and he loses it over hot dogs and hot dog buns. So that's right. So if you have not seen this movie, I mean, it it, it is hilarious. Steve Martin, I love him, but he he's, you know, the father of the bride. So his daughter's getting married and there's so much going on with, you know, the wedding expenses and they've got this like outlandish wedding coordinator and it's just one thing after another. And of course, yes, fathers get a little worked up about the finances, but really he's emotional about his daughter getting married. Right. And so it's just, there's all this stuff going on and he just pulls all of these crazy stunts and just things where he's like, you know, when he's looking into the in-laws checkbook or, you know, just searching their house and the office and just, it falls in the pool, just all this crazy stuff. But he gets to this point where he, they send him, you know, the wife's always trying to calm him down and she sends him to the grocery store and she's like, just go get the hot dogs and the hot dog buns. Well, he goes to the grocery store in his tux and he, that, and he realizes, like we've all kind of noticed before, that there are more hot dogs than there are hot dog buns and he just loses his mind. He, why, why can't they just put the same number? Why are they trying to get you to pay for something that you, you can't even use? And he just flies off the handle, ends up having to, like he loses it on the store manager, has to get escorted out, and then he ends up in jail. <laughs> and his wife comes and picks him. She's just like, really, George? <laughs> like, this is where we ended up. So, man, you know, I I can resonate with that a little bit. My, you know, my kids would say I have moments of flying off the handle, <laughs> but, but it's just such a, it's such a true thing that when, man, when emotions are running high, it is hard to be rational about certain things, even hot dog buns. So we're going <laughs> right. to talk about the day, that today. So why don't you tell us like, what, what do leaders need to do to foster emotional stability? Wow. Uh, let me, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. And I love, again, when he's at the, the supermarket and he's in his blue tux, right? Who he thinks that is made by Armani. But obviously, uh, um, as uh, Franck says, um, Armani doesn't make a, a, a blue tux. So <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, Amber, we've done a lot of work on podcasts, right, uh, in the past regarding emotional intelligence and how important it is for leaders to possess an emotional quotient, just like they 
have an intelligence quotient or an IQ, right? So today we want to talk a little bit about the way leaders should approach the emotional stability for both themselves and their people uh, on their team. So let's start out with the first point, which is this. Leaders promote genuine emotion. And as a leader to people over the last quarter of a century or so, I've learned you know, to view emotions in a different way than I ever had, especially before I'd met Kevin. And, you know, I was a kid in high school and I couldn't control my own emotions on the court or the baseball field or the pool or wherever I was. I mean, I would just, I would fly up the handle, right? And I think that's why sports is such a great metaphor for life. If you want to find out the way somebody is to their core, just put them in some kind of competition situation. I mean, I know some leagues that some softball leagues through either extracurricular or uh, church stuff or company stuff that gets pretty knocked down, drag out, right? And so people show their their true emotions sometimes. <laughs> so so think about the place that you work, right? Problems are usually swept under the rug, and people don't really tell you what they're really feeling. And and all of a sudden it's too late and somebody blows up and quits or gets fired or whatever. But what we need to learn as leaders is that emotion should be genuine and it should be a genuine part of who we are. And if we want to stay true to who we are, we have to be able to do the things that are going to keep us honest. So sometimes using emotion can be tricky and messy, but we have to keep it real. Or as the kids today say, you know, Mo, you got to keep it 100. And so um, I do my best, but, you know, we have to think about it this way. Sometimes we refuse, you know, to, to use our emotions because we think uh, it's going to help us be a better leader to look like we have it all together or make us seem stronger than we probably actually are, right? But in reality, if you try to suppress your emotions, it ends up making you weaker because now you're, you're focused on stuff that you shouldn't be dealing with, you know? And, and, and that's why you got to get it out and, and deal with it so that it's, it's there. It's out in the open. You figure it out and then you can go forth and you can be stronger in your leadership. And so it can be kind of a thorn in your side sometimes and kind of poking at you and making you feel uncomfortable. For instance, let, let's say somebody on your team at work continues to, to drop the ball and they don't turn in their portion of a project on time, right? So we've all had that happen. And, you know, I would bet that sometimes, you know, even you or I have been that person a time or two, right? But if you don't bring that up, somebody's, you know, uh, somebody needs to pull their weight, you're just going to let it eat eat at you and it's going to fester within the team. And then people are going to start resenting that, that other person, right? Because we're just not, we're not talking about it. So then you get to the point where, you know, you're just like, well, what, what, what are we even going to do? So the question is, what are the emotions that you display on a daily basis? What is it that you do best and, and, and makes you want to live within the best version of yourself? Are you a person who uses emotion to, to get your point across? If you do, well, don't suppress it. You know, that's who you are and people will appreciate you when you use that emotion. Okay, but for those of us who are females in authority, this can be tricky because there doesn't seem to be nearly as much grace for a woman showing up and being her true self and showing emotion as there are for guys like that. We're either accused of being too emotional or too bossy or, you know, just overly sensitive about things. So how do we, how do we show up and be our truest authentic self in that kind of environment? Yeah, th that's a great question. Amber, you know, I mean, we've been meeting for almost, what, four years now, and it, it, we talked about this a lot, and I said, Amber, you're, you're in a position of authority. 
um, at, at your church and you are an important person in making important decisions. And we talked a lot about what it means to own it, right? And that's why we actually you know, went, went over one of my favorite books, Extreme Ownership. And I just said, Amber, you just got to do it. And you said, well, Mo, no, but this is a real thing. And I said, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's not real. It is real, right? We've all got stereotypes. We've all got stereotypes that, that we give to others. And we all get, have stereotypes that we get from others. And are they right or wrong? Are they fair? Well, probably not, but we have to live within them. But that's why what you and I, Amber, did right away is I said, who are the the women who are speaking into your life? Because at some point you were asking me questions. You say, Mo, what do you think about this? And I would give you my my honest assessment. I'd say, but Amber, I, I, I'm not a female. So you need to ask other strong females so that you can get their perspective. And it wasn't, you know, uh, for any other reason, except for you needed to have strong women in your life. And so we worked on that to get you an inner circle and we worked hard. And now you have three very strong women in your life who you can go to, who you call mentors. And you know what? One of those women has actually been one of my coaches over the years for like 20 years, right? So it's not about being a man or being a woman, but yes, there are stereotypes. But what I would say to all of our people out there, whether you're, you're a man or you're a woman, you need to have strong leaders in your life. And if you're a man, you need to have strong men who have done it before you and better than you. And if you're a woman, you have to have strong women who have done it before you and better than you because that's what's going to make you better. But what it comes down to is no matter what, this is what I always say, right, Amber? Hard work wins. And you need to be in a position where you can be your true self. And I'll say this. If you're at a place where you feel like you're just really kind of confined and you're not able to be your true self, whatever that is, whether it's subdued or, you know, just outlandish or somewhere in between, and, and you feel like you can't be yourself, you need to get out of that, out of that place. It might be right for somebody else, but it's probably not right for you. You want to be in a place where people accept you for who you are and, and know your strengths and, and like you for those and know your weaknesses and say, we want you to, to get those better. And we know how you deal with emotions and we love having you on the team. You got to be on the right team. So whatever end of the spectrum you are, my advice would be for you to find at least start out with one person at work. If you're like, Mo, I don't have an inner circle. Yeah, I know. Amber and I worked on it for literally months and months and months. And we, 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 we chipped away and we chipped away, but, but start with somebody at work that really understands you and somebody that you trust and let them in on the stuff that you're feeling. Because when it comes down to it, it comes down to this. A lot of us are feeling a lot of stuff in our lives. We, we don't always want answers right from somebody, but we all like to be heard. We all like to be listened to. And so you need that kind of person or people in your life, really. And like Amber said in the beginning story, all that George wanted, right, in, in Father of the Bride, was for somebody to acknowledge that he had stuff going on. And nobody was because it wasn't about him, right? The wedding day was about his daughter, as it should have been. But at some point, he just needed somebody to listen to him. And that's why when he was in jail, he ended up telling the security guard everything, right? Remember, he, he was telling him how much things cost, what he just needed to be heard. Now, our leaders out there, don't be the Lone Ranger. You need to be heard. You need to live within yourself and you don't want to be a poor manager um, and, and you don't want to be a poor leader. So whatever you have to do to start dealing with your emotions and figuring out what's the good stuff and what's the hard stuff and how to deal with it, you need to figure that out. So start working on that today and trust me, it'll make you a better leader tomorrow and in the future. Okay, so to foster emotional stability, leaders promote genuine emotion. What is the second thing leaders do? Yeah, the second thing that leaders do is this. Leaders employ emotion properly. You see, this is something that, that I deal with pretty much every day. 
And th- that's probably because I, I've been a coach to young people and student athletes for the better part of my life. And what I never understood and, st- and still don't understand is when people try to will themselves to win in sports and competition, meaning sometimes people don't put in the preparation to get things done. But then all of a sudden they think that if they can be emotional enough during the game or, or, or during the competition and they can be spirited enough, they, they, can, they can will themselves across the finish line and win. And that's just not how it works. And it doesn't work in sports and it doesn't work in life. So when it comes down to it, <clears throat> it's the preparation that matters most to put in the work, to, to, to deal with, with those things in your life and to, to know that you have to employ those emotions properly. You need to, like anything else, you know, be willing to put in the hard work, right? Because hard work wins. And of course, we, we want to do a whole, a whole podcast series on that, but, but we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> well, so how do you know then it, what emotion and when to kind of invest it or, or use it in your workplace or your team or whatever it is that you're doing? How do you know how to do that? Yeah, that's, that, that, that's something we all need to deal with, right? Because it's, it's almost situational and it's going to vary depending on where you work, right? I don't know where you work. I don't know if, if you are doing something that's hands-on or if, if you're on a keyboard all day or whatever, but for instance, if you're in, in athletics, I already know, uh, you know, I gave you kind of a little bit of a cheat sheet, right? <laughs> you have to teach your team to, to play with emotion, but not to be emotional, right? And that's going to end up kind of getting, you know, getting you uh, to, to prepare to do the things that you need to, to get it done when it's important, which is usually game time or competition time, right? We, we don't want to, to overexert ourselves, but we want to put in the right amount of effort on the way into the situations that we're going to deal with. Same thing with emotions. We can't just all of a sudden say, oh, I'm going to deal with this. We need to train ourselves to, to do it better, right? And if we're talking about the workplace, I guess I'd have to say to ask the following question. Are you promoting standards and expectations that are able to be handled by your staff? So like if you're a sales manager, do you show your people how to sell better? And how do, do you give them the tools or you just go out and say, well, go out, you need to be better, go do it. Well, that's never gonna be the answer. Well, do you think personality plays into this a little bit? Because I know for me, I've been guilty of really getting people excited about something and then leaving them kind of scratching their head going, now, what are we excited about? (laughs) And then there, which is never a good thing, right? But then there are some people that I think maybe could use a little help on how to be, you know, enthusiastic or kind of get people encouraged and excited about things. So do you think personality factors into that? Oh, for sure. I, I, I speak to, to crowds all the time, big and small, and there's always one person in, in the audience that, that just wants to give me a scowl. And, and, and I work overtime cause I like, I, I want to win them over. Right. <laughs> and then I, at some point I just, I, I would go back to my mentor. I said, man, I really worked the room and I was doing my very best. And I, I was trying to give them everything that I had. And one of my mentors said, Mo, sometimes people's exciters are just broken. <laughs> and that, that kind of took a little bit of pressure off me. And he said, Mo, you know, you don't want to perform. You want, you want to help your people in the right way. And so Amber, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, you know, as leaders, the responsibility falls on us, right? So if there's somebody on your team that needs to, to be excited, help get them excited, obviously. But right. We do that when the, within the context of training them for the, the overall picture. Remember John Maxwell says this, that everything rises and falls on leadership. And you know that I believe that with all my heart and it's up to us to help people use genuine emotion to employ that emotion properly. So it's your job to help people play with emotion, 
or work with emotion and not to be emotional, but, but to say, Hey, I'm going to kind of let's, let some of this out. I mean, it's like any relationship that we have, right? We all kind of, you know, start standoffish. And then all of a sudden, you know, when your best friends with somebody, you're like, I never knew you were like this. Well, that's because they, they, they're finally feeling good about your relationship. So it all goes back to, to the, those relationships with people. And if you're like me, you're, you're told sometime in your life, probably at an early age that when you get upset with something, for instance, you need to count to 10. But what's funny is that works, right? We've all been given that lesson and none of us like that lesson, right? But we know that it works. So what is it that you need to do? Just like that easy little principle to help your people with their emotions. Do you need to help them be more emotion, play with more emotion? Or do you need to help them kind of tamp it down a little bit, right? Every workplace, every place that I consult for is very different and they all have conflict and they all deal with that conflict different. And there's no one right way or one wrong way, but there's a lot of right ways and a lot of wrong ways. <laughs> and there's people that, that are too emotional and there's people that, that are not, that, that don't have enough emotion. But think of it this way. I think the best piece of advice that, that I could ever give, like when, when I uh, give couples premarital counseling, is I say, when you're in an argument <laughs> with your significant other, never say something that you can't take back right? You never want to do that. Same thing at work, right? It's the same thing in the workplace. You don't want to just start talking about somebody and say, well, they this and they're this. And because people remember that stuff, you want to be somebody who promotes and fosters a good place to work, whether you're on the team or, or you're leading, especially if you're leading the team, right? And sometimes you just want to go for the jugular and you just say, man, you just want to be a jerk for whatever reason, right? And I'm just saying, don't do it. I, I, I get it. Count to 10, you know, because unfortunately, that, that never works and it never makes the situation better. That's being too emotional. Your job as the leader is to help people, you know, play and work with emotion, but you have to do that yourself, right? And of course it's easier said than done, but if you get a handle on this, I'm telling you, it will change the dynamics of your relationships, both at home and at work. Okay. So number one, leaders promote genuine emotion. Number two, leaders employ emotion properly what is our third point for today? Yeah, our third and final point for today is this. Leaders take responsibility for emotion. <laughs> and of course, you knew we, we were going to get to this point some, some, sometime or another, right, Amber? Because that's really what it comes down to is responsibility. And the emotion and emotional stability of your team is no different. In fact, it should be at the forefront of your mind. I know that we've talked about this before. And, you know, we're, we, we, we've, you know, wanted to do it on, on, on an entire podcast, but journaling is something that all leaders need to do. You've got to write stuff down because I, I bring journaling up because there's things that you do on a consistent basis, right? On a daily basis. Like I always say, um, that, that you have different emotions that, that you feel throughout the day. I do. And I need to be able to look back at those and see if I use them correctly or not. And whether you're a person again, that, that wears your emotions on your sleeve, or if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you're just kind of stalwart and you've got that poker face, it's still important for you to know what those emotions are. And that's where journaling comes in. It comes in handy. You know, and there's something about writing things down um, that just helps it soak in. I was told by one of my mentors way back when I was a kid, the reason he wanted me to journal was because he said, Mo, you think too fast. And you can only, when you're journaling, you can only think as fast as your hand can move <laughs> and as fast as you can write. And it's amazing to see how that has, has changed my life. Because I'll tell you this, the more you write down stuff that's going on in your life, you know, I'm not talking about just like a diary. Diaries are cool, but I'm talking about journaling, like, like actual, like things like Amber, we have a, I, I told you to have, and I tell everybody you need to have a leadership journal. You need to write these things down and see what you're doing good and, and, and no, and not doing well. Right. Cause that's going to allow you to begin to grow intentionally. And you're going to be able to acknowledge what you do well and what you don't do well. 
So I guess the bottom line is this. The reason you know that we journal or talk to people, right? Mentors, other men and women in our lives that know how to you know do things is because they can help us do stuff better. And why not tap into that, right? One of the reasons that people don't show emotion is because they're not they're not aware of how they're feeling. <laughs> it, it, it's amazing. And sometimes, you know, we get upset or frustrated or something and, and we try to bury those feelings because we really don't know why that's happening. And, and so leaders, there's no room for failure in this. You have to get your emotions in line so that you can be the best leader possible. And when you say there's no room for failure, that doesn't mean we're not going to fail, but it does mean that, you know, when we're, when we're trying to take responsibility, we have to recognize that whatever emotions I am, I am showing, or I'm withholding, then I'm in a room or a team with people that are doing the exact same thing. The only thing that, the only way that that's going to change and become a, an environment where everyone can be their true self is when somebody, the leader, takes responsibility. And as we've said in previous podcasts, like decides that this is the buck stops here, that I, I am going to do something about this and I'm going to model it. And, you know, when we're talking about journaling, you when you had asked me to do a leadership journal, I'm like, I have to write in two journals now. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, but what I've rec- what I've realized about that is that sometimes I don't know which category, whether it's my personal journal or my leadership journal to put something in. And that has been actually a way to become really self-aware of my feelings is I'll, I'll start writing something about leadership. And then I realize, wow, I, I'm this is personally affecting me. And so then I was like, well, then should this be in the personal journal? And I go back and forth, but it's helped me be able to separate those things and say, this is the part that Amber has to deal with. Amber is a person. This is the part that Amber as the leader needs to right. deal with. And so that, that's, that was really helpful advice. And, you know, if you had told me that three years ago, I'm like, I'm just trying to journal for one thing. <laughs> I can't do it all. But very, very helpful. So we are um, just about the end of this episode. So before we go, do you have any final thoughts for us today? Yeah, I do. I mean, think about it this way. Um, if we take it back to the workplace, just remember that that the businesses that put a high premium on helping people take responsibility for their emotions and help them walk differently through the hardships of life are going to continue to grow and thrive. But that's where we are today. The men and women that are in your care deserve your very best. And you have to take responsibility for your own emotions. And when you're modeling it, then you're going to be able to help others by encouraging them to do the same, right? We model it first, right? That uh, last week we talked about being a teacher. That's what teachers do. We The best way to help somebody learn is to show them how to do it. So here's your homework. You, you have to start paying attention to your emotions. Um, wh- what are the emotions that, that you have that, that make you a better leader? What are the emotions that you have that hinder you in leading others? You, you have to take responsibility and you alone as the leader should be doing that. So for instance, you know, what, what are you actually, you know, um, feeling at this very moment right now, when you think of your people right now, does it make you feel happy? Does it make you feel sad, anxious, excited, whatever? Like, what is that feeling? There's a number of emotions that, that we, that we feel right. And a lot of them, um, are, are things that, that we have never really sat, sat down and said, wow, you know, I, I've never really thought, thought about this in a deep way. And I hope that you would start to write these emotions down so that you would have a better mental snapshot is what we call it. Right. And when you have that snapshot, it, it's going to give you a, a reason to take responsibility for your emotions. And then it's going to open up for a whole bunch of possibilities. So, you know, we've all probably heard the saying, don't let your emotions get the best of you. And I think it would be a fitting close for today. So don't let your emotions get the best of you, but 
use your emotions for your benefit. Because when you master your emotions and you're able to know the good and the bad and, and all the stuff in between that, that's in your own life, it's going to set you up to deal with things in a positive way, both for yourself and your team. And it's really going to revolutionize everything that you do. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you for listening to the Rising Tide Leadership Podcast. Highlights and resource links are available for you in the show notes. We hope that you will join us next week as we continue on the leadership journey. Don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss out and share with others so they don't miss out. See you next week.